How are you all doing today? This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Mike Boy. What's up, man? Not much. Just uh, enjoying this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Actually, no, we're in evening now, right? Yeah, it's pretty. It's evening, but it was hot as fuck today, dude. I'm not. I'm not feeling the beautiful thing. 89 degrees. I love it. It's a little muggy, but um, you know, it's spring. I'm happy. I'm very grateful. Today we have a interview with the front man of the thrash metal band from Colorado called Havoc, Dave Sanchez. He'll be up soon. Mike, how have you been? I've been good. I mean, not a hell of a lot's gone on since the last time we spoke. I think the only significant thing that I've done recently outside of just like like podcast work or band work, my wife and I went to San Francisco yesterday. And just on a whim, we just decided to drive there. You broke quarantine. I broke quarantine. Yeah. Busted. You know, judge me. Um, I don't care. And we got off, like, first exit off the off the freeway coming from going westbound on 80 into the, uh, into the city. And I think it's Fremont. I can't remember what it is. It drops us off right in downtown. And, yeah, downtown's dead. Downtown's totally dead. Yeah, nobody's working. No one's working or anything like that. But once we got, like, Embarcadero and on the piers, just, like, people out there, like, roller skating. And they don't give a walking shit. Walking the dogs and shit right. like that. So, yeah, I don't feel so bad about breaking quarantine right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. hey, you know, you got to understand that a lot of people feel that lockdown will keep you safe. Uh, didn't work out for Epstein, but hey, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one to judge. I don't, I don't know the facts on that, but we'll figure that out sooner or later. Um, so what's what's going on with the bitters? The bitters, uh, like I said, we just released that EP. Like we talked about that a couple of days ago when we released the previous podcast. So not much is happening on that front other than we're just pushing that right now, writing new music and shit like that. Nothing crazy. What about you? What's up with Psycho? <sighs> oh, what did you say? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was falling asleep over here. Ah. Psychosmatic. Well, all, I, I pretty much said it the last episode. We... Uh, with Dave Sanchez coming on today, you know, we'll talk about how it was when he recorded and produced our record, and it was really fun having him do that for us. We he offered, we were kind of surprised, and we said, "Yeah, sure." And it fucking, I definitely think it's our best record that's going to be coming out soon. Sick. Other than that, I've just been working and uh, drawing a lot. I have uh, my plate is completely full, so I really cherish my downtime. So I'll get finally a chance to get caught up on some reading. I love to read. Finally got some books in the mail. I'm pretty happy. Well, what'd you get? Um, just some like Tom Clancy type, you know, novels. I got a lot of conspiracy books because I'm a big conspiracy buff. I am not technically what you would call a truther, but I do like to look at things objectively, you know, and uh, it's fun. I, I, I find this stuff intriguing and fun. And it's just from what I see and I look on social media, it just seems like a big argument. So I'm just kind of tired of that. I kind of want to disconnect from all that and just get somewhere else you know not gonna lie i could probably go the rest of my life without hearing the words quarantine shelter or covid at this point <laughs> yeah well that's gonna be around for a while i know i i really could just go without it well you know there's there's reasons for everything and they'll all see see the light of day soon enough and uh i just try to encourage everybody to hang in there you know and we'll just figure this thing out together you know and it, it's definitely interesting you know, you can look at it from so many different avenues, and 
I'm just kind of tired of, to death of just talking about it and having it in our faces constantly. And that's really what it is. And that's well, maybe what, if you stayed home, it wouldn't be in your face. No, well, whatever. I mean, that's why I like this podcast. It gives somebody else some other things to do because I don't care what you do. The world will never stop music. And music is what this podcast is predominantly about and entertainment in general. So speaking of music, um, our guest today, Dave Sanchez from Havoc. And we're really good friends. We have we have a long friendship. We've talked music, shop, you know, artwork, everything you can imagine. We yeah, he's the kind of guy that like I have him on the phone when I'm drawing. At the same time, we shoot the shit all night long. We talk about everything there is to talk about. We're really good friends, and uh, I couldn't be more excited to have him on the show today. So, without further ado, Dave Sanchez from Havoc. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing better than all right, but I should be terrified right now. Why is that? I don't know who wants it, but uh, I'm pretty terrified. You know, just what's what's going on. I'm I'm I don't know. No, I'm not really scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. Things are good. You busy? Um. Yeah, I actually am slightly jealous of all the people that say that they're bored. Um. I've I've had too much stuff to do. Awesome. Staying busy. You guys are you're doing a bunch of podcasts like this one. music videos and getting ready for the release of our record fucking killer so let's go down your discography if you don't mind and um your first rec first official release was burn on candlelight right yep what was that like to record uh well i i actually did the production on the first three havoc records and uh so i i recorded that that album in the basement of my my house at the time it's a townhouse so we couldn't record too late because we don't want to piss the neighbors off but (laughs) we got loud down there and tracked that whole record and i think a lot of it was tracked when i was 19 and it came out when i was 20 wow it came out just after i turned 20 years old so did you uh how did you get signed on candlelight just a demo EP back in like 2007 I want to say it was called Pona Mall and we sent it out to like all the labels metal labels that we could think of and uh, did it old school you know physically mailed out copies with like a press kit and all that kind of stuff and uh, we heard back from a couple labels but we decided to go with Candlelight in the end they were a, a European label at the time right yeah, they still are. Nice. They're based in the UK, but they have an uh, American office as well. So what time did you, when did you guys form? Let's go back to that. What was it like 2003? 03, 04-ish. Um, yeah, I think we played our first shows like as a group in 03. I think it's possible that the very first shows like as Havoc in a real music venue maybe didn't happen until 2004 gotcha and uh, I formed the band with a drummer that I went to high school with and he knew a bunch of Metallica songs and I knew a bunch of Metallica songs and we just started jamming together and eventually 
found a guitar player and a bass player and started playing out at coffee shops and high school talent show and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we started writing original material and after writing a couple songs, I realized like, holy shit, I actually like want to do this way more often. This is really cool and fun. And, uh, that's when I decided I wanted to, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. I told my parents when I was pretty young that I didn't want to go to college they said, that's fine. What are you going to do, though? I said, well, I want to play in a band and uh, go on tour. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. Just do it. So they were supportive, and uh, now I get to do what, what I set out to do when I was a kid. What do you want to do with your life? You know, that's cool. I, you guys did a lot of touring before you put out that first record, right? Yeah, we'd already been touring for two or three years, like pretty, pretty uh, extensively before we got that record deal. Fucking sick. Because uh, I think We Cross Paths was in, I want to say 2007? I think it was, 07 or 08. Uh, we played at Tidal Wave together with Exodus and Attitude Adjustment. Well, before that, before that, we had a show together that fell through, and I'll, I'll tell the story. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, a kid hit me up. He played in a band. He's my old guitar player's band. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he's like, "Hey, I got a show. Well, it's Havoc from Denver." I was like, "He's all. Do you want to play?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. That sounds great." You know what? I'll take care of the flyer. I'll get the bands together and the promo. He's like, "Yeah, great." And then the day of the show, he's like, "So." What's with the uh, the show? And I'm like, you tell me. You're gonna get it. You have the band and the venue, right? He goes, oh, I thought you were gonna do it. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so then he he calls me this, and I just get this is the day of the show, and I was so pissed. I was like, god damn it. There's a touring band here that, with no show. It was supposed to be at the BFW Hall in Orangevale. Orangevale, and, and yeah. He, and he dropped the ball, and I was like, son of a bitch. So I just the first thing I think thought of was like, this band's out of town. I was like, I got to take care of him. You know, this is this can't happen. So I ran over to the bank, grabbed some cash. I was like, here you go, dude. I'm terribly sorry. And, you know, I, I felt really bad for you guys, but I had no idea that that would create one of the best friendships I have in music. So, Yeah, I, I will never forget that. Um, you know, we, we were all kind of bummed the show got canceled and stuff, but when you showed up and you gave us 100 bucks <laughs> because the show tanked. I felt so bad. Uh, that that made a huge difference to us when we were super broke and just like you know getting shit on by the touring life left and right being broke nobody knew who we were we we're on tour and uh yeah you you coming through and the show didn't even happen and you still gave us some money it was like a huge deal to to me and to the rest of us yeah. you gave us some psychosomatic merch and i remember we popped that cd in like I don't know, like 10 minutes after we left the place where we met up with you. And uh, we, we popped it in on the highway, and we started listening to it, and we were all like, oh, holy shit, this band rules. And that's when I became a fan. That was fan. crazy, because I, I initially thought, you know, like, I'm going to give these guys 100 bucks so they can at least get to the next show, maybe get something to eat. 
and I was like, here's some merch. And I, I, I was joking to my ex at the time. I was like, watch, it's going to be in their trash can as soon as we leave because they were so pissed and the show fell through. But you guys actually took the time to listen to it. And I was like, rad, that's awesome. Because most people are like, would be pissed at that time, right? If somebody did that to me, I'd be like, fuck your shit. But if we were, if we were, you know, if, uh, if you didn't show up and like help us out with that hundred bucks that you gave us that, yeah, then we would have been completely pissed off. And, uh, you know, the, the, you saving the day, the week for us, really, with that 100 bucks, like, really made a huge difference for us when, when we were struggling and starving back then. So, so you, you, you actually lifted our spirits despite well, the show being canceled. Awesome. Showing up and giving us 100 bucks uh, made, us, made us appreciative and, and uh, you know, not starved that night i couldn't tell you how happy i was to help you know because i felt so bad but the next show was that tidal wave show and we were we were the first band that was booked on it so we got like kind of the the choice slot right before attitude adjustment and then there was hyrax and then exodus that's right and you guys got billed right and you you guys got billed right before us so i was like really stoked i was like wow you know they got a killer slot that you had two openers before you and it was such a good, huge, mungus show. And then I was pissed after we got done, after you guys got done playing. It was the only time we'd ever played up to that point where I felt like I got fucking blown off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ended your set with fucking Raining Blood, a cover of Raining Blood from Slayer. And I was like, I don't even want to fucking run out there. This sucks. <laughs> so that was the, I'll give you props on that. I was like, holy shit. Because we had never seen you live. You know, we didn't know what to expect. I just knew that you were a thrash metal band. I was excited for the second wave of thrash. I was like, yes, this is great. And that was just like, I was like, fuck, I don't even want to go out there. It was brutal. But that was great. I was glad you guys had a good time. Yeah, we had a great time. I was like, I think at the time, the, the biggest festival we ever played and maybe one of the yeah, definitely the most people we'd ever played in front of, like outside. It, it was a, it was a really fun show, especially seeing Exodus. Yeah, they were great, and that was put on by Pete Size and uh, uh, this guy Tonus, who do yeah, do do Rampage Radio in San Francisco. It was really cool. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So then, um, you guys obviously put out Burn. I was excited; it sounded amazing. And then I remember, I was on tour in chicago and we played this place it was in chicago and this this opener band was doing a cover of morbid symmetry which was fucking sick and remember i called you i was like hey dude this fucking <laughs> band's here is doing your fucking song and you guys have one record out i was like that was so sick <laughs> yeah it was pretty crazy i was tripping on that i was like god damn so you guys hit the scene like hard i mean you just busted open the doors it was amazing yeah, for us, uh, stuff didn't really take off till our second record, and understandably, for multiple reasons. I mean, A, we had actually been on two or more um, before, by the time our second record came out, and, and B, I think the second record is just leaps and bounds better than Burn. Second record is Time Is Up, and uh, Time Is Up is the first time we actually like had a booking agent who was putting us on to like tours with bigger bands. So, you know, when time is up came out, we toured with, uh, like Hammerfall, primal fear, uh, malevolent creation forbidden. Uh, we went out with, uh, with a whole bunch of bands. Um, 
it was the first time we ever went to Europe. We went over there with Three Inches of Blood, a Goat Whore, and Angela Sapatrida. That was in 2012. And, you know, from there, things just started snowballing big time. Yeah, that's that's your staple record as far as I'm concerned. Time is Up is just amazing. Time is Up is loaded with a ton of songs that I love. I mean, front to back, that album is solid. My personal favorite is No Amnesty, Covering Fire, you know, uh, DOA, which uh, has a certain scream on there that I have a story about, but I'll let you tell it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you want me to tell it now? No, we'll wait till that point. All right, sure. And you guys have a video for Covering Fire. How was that to shoot? We actually shot that on a tree farm in Texas with a dude. Uh, shit, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he did the uh, he did a Pantera video or two. I think he did. Um, I think he did the like Drag the Waters or or the uh, I'm Broken video. Sick. But he, but he did a really good job with with Covering Fire. Um, we shot it in the middle of tour and on the time is up record there's also a video for the song doa and we shot that one in denver at, at a at a bar and then at a uh a, a salvage yard auto salvage yard that's that's how we were able to play in front of all those destroyed cars all stacked up awesome and um so you guys moving on you guys toured for predominantly most of 2012 right yeah time is up came out in 2011 and we toured a lot then um we've done some touring you know before obviously but in uh 2011 time is up dropped and we went out all year 2011 pretty much and then in the 2012 and we we recorded our third record, Unnatural Selection, came out in 2013. I think we started recording it either in early 2013 or late 2012. And that was with Terry Date. How was that to work with him? Well, I actually did the production on it. Terry Date just did the mixing on it. So oh, gotcha. our interaction with Terry was fairly limited. A lot of it was just uh, text and phone calls and emails. <clears throat> but Terry's super nice. Uh, super nice guy. The only thing that was kind of unfortunate during the mixing of that record is Terry Date was moving uh, his studio at the time, so he had to mix the whole thing in a studio that he was not used to working in. On on top of, we were on tour when we were getting mixes back to listen to, so we're in a you know van with shitty van speakers going 75 miles an hour down a highway trying to listen to the mixes and find out if they're good or not because... You know, he's in somebody else's studio, and it was like, hey, this needs to get done. I need an answer in the next 10 minutes, yes or no, on this on this mix. So <laughs> it was really stressful. And it's definitely not ideal when you're having to approve mixes while you're on tour and you're not in your normal listening environments. Brutal. So you guys, um, after, you guys toured extensively for that one as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, on, on Natural Selection, we as the first time we went to South America and Asia and Australia, is on top of North America and Europe. Sick. We did a lot of we we basically went around the whole world uh, on that record. Who did you tour with? 
let's see, around that time, I think we went out with, hmm, I want to say we went out with uh, Sepultura. That might have been 2012. That might have been before Unnatural came out. But we did a lot of festivals in Europe. Uh, we had toured with... trying to think uh i guess it would still be on that same cycle where we went out with megadeth we went out with megadeth suicidal tendencies and children of bodom nice yeah and that tour was completely insane uh lineup was really solid and just crowds were really big and people were showing up early to see us which was really cool it was right after that tour, pretty much, that we recorded Conformicide, the fourth record. Right. So, I mean, I mean, Unnatural Selection, a lot of the touring was done just kind of us. It was kind of just us in uh, uh, a lot of these places. Um, in Australia, we went out with a band called King Parrot. That's from, from there. They're like a grindcore, thrash, death metal band. Yes. And in uh, some of the dates in Asia, we were with a another Australian band called Akira. And, uh, you know, when we go over there for festivals in Europe and stuff, a lot of it's just by ourselves, And we meet up with other bands, maybe for little short runs of like three shows in between festivals and things like that. But I, I do remember we went out with Suffocation in Europe on the Unnatural Selection tour. Sick. That was kind of a big one. Yeah, you went out with some other band too in 2016 or 2015. <laughs> yeah, it was psychosomatic. <laughs> Great days. When when did you guys have the the whole fiasco with uh, Megadeth? Because that was all over the social media circuit for a while. And what was that about? Yeah, that happened. Um, let me think here. So I know we went through management change right around the time of Conformicide coming out. Right before Conformicide came out, we hooked up with a different manager and all that stuff had kind of aired out. And I believe Conformicide came out in March of 2017. So it was early 2017 where the, the Megadeth Dirty Laundry got aired out. And essentially all it was... I mean, a lot of people made it out to be something much, much uh, more dramatic than what I think it was. Sure. But what really happened is, you know, we, we were working with Mustaine and his son for management, and they, they everything was just handshake deal. And then all of a sudden it changed into, like, a contract. And in the contract the percentages of what we owed all of a sudden were higher than what was agreed on originally. And there was also included what they call a sunset clause where they work for us for three years. And then for 10 years after those three years are over and they're done working for us, we still have to give them money. We just give them a smaller percentage every few years until like 10 years is over. Right. So we basically would have been paying uh, Mustaine and and other Mustaine, we would have been paying them like for thirteen years uh, for working for us for three. Fuck so uh, you know, it basically came down to like, hey, you either sign this contract or you're not on the second Megadeth run. 
Well, they had already announced the second Megadeth run that we were supposed to be a part of. It was already announced with our name out on the poster. So when the stuff came down to it and it was like, hey, yeah, we're not going to sign this. No way. Um, we basically just put out there into, on social media like, hey, we're, I know a lot of people are expecting to see us on this Megadeth tour, but we won't be there because of a contract dispute. Uh, sorry to everyone that was looking forward to seeing us. We didn't want to just say, hey, we're not on this tour anymore with no explanation. We wanted to be honest about uh, why we weren't going to be there. Right. Some people were probably going to buy tickets largely to see our band. Uh, we And the reason I say that is we heard it a lot on the first Megadeth run that we did. A lot of people were saying, like, man, it was expensive, but I paid for the ticket just to see you guys. And, uh, you know, so we didn't want to just announce that we're not on the tour for no reason, just, whoops, sorry, and no information. We, we wanted to tell people the real reason we're not on the tour. And when we did, that's where shit got kind of crazy, and, um, you know, Dave Mustaine took to the internet, took to Twitter and stuff, and slandered, slanderized the fuck out of me. He called me a liar. He said I was full of shit. He said that our band... Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't pay bills and that we're just slagging them and uh, we're disrespectful and all kinds of shit. He, he lost his mind. The, the thing that bugged me the most was him saying that I was a liar. And when, when, when that happened to, you know, essentially show people like we're not lying, we're telling the truth. Uh, we basically fucking posted the entire contract for the whole world to see to prove that we're not lying. And uh, things got heated again there for a second, but then they kind of chilled out because it's kind of hard to argue against against facts. And, and, and one of the beautiful things about that contract is it spelled every band ne- member's name correctly, but it didn't spell the band's name correctly a single time. <laughs> it misspelled the band's name six different times in the contract. Oh, wow. So they didn't even look at it. That's so completely They void. didn't even look at it. It sounds... <laughs> It seemed to me like they just, you know, told their lawyers, hey, get get together this contract to fuck over this band and send it over to them. I, 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 firmly, I, I firmly believe that Mustaine, both of them, uh, it didn't read that contract. Sure. They misspelled the band's name six times. I don't know how that happens in a contract of a band that you manage if you actually read it. Wow, that's crazy. You know, I remember when that whole thing went down, I was like, wow, that's this is some heavy shit. You know, just looking at the gravity of it, it's music industry stuff, it's out there. And then you guys go and book a tour with Anthrax. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> How the fuck did they pull that off? That's amazing. I, I, could, I started laughing. I was like, Jesus Christ. If anybody can do it, Dave can do it. That was pretty impressive. Because I was like, you got one of the big four you guys are touring with. You're killing it. Everybody's loving it. All of a sudden, it goes south really fast. Most people would have been done after that. And you guys were just like, nope, we're just going to go out with Anthrax. We're going to go out with the other guy from the, the big four. I, mean, you know, I was like, holy shit. Now, you guys switch, obviously switched management. How'd that go? Yeah, we're working with Steve Davis, and he manages uh, Cannibal Corpse and uh, Black Dahlia Murder for a minute, I think. And uh, Children of Bodom, Ministry. He does a bunch of stuff. And he, he's 
cool. He, he's on the same page with us. And uh, he, he, I think he had a big part to do with getting us that Kill Tracks tour with Kill Switch Engage and Anthrax. But, you know, when, when all that stuff happened with Megadeth, like, I didn't think it was going to be the end uh, of things. Nice. Um, obviously, like, some things fell through because of that, as a result of, of that that bullshit. But for the, for the most part, like, all it did was harden us and um you know make us stronger and more resilient and uh absolutely (laughs) i remember after that whole thing happened just thinking to myself like okay well this basically is the good news is this is basically making it to where no manager is ever going to want to come over to us and fuck us in the ass right (laughs) you guys know your shit awesome yeah so um you know, I, I lost a, a string endorsement over it because of Mustaine, um, and, and I, I'm sure there's a, some other things that have happened that got us kind of blackballed for a minute in the industry because of that. And you know, he he is a very famous and uh, powerful dude in the industry, but um, you know, it, it it hasn't ruined our lives in any way. Nice, and. Um... You guys, after that, have just been pretty much soaring since. So you, you've pretty much pushed that behind you, right? Yeah, I, I don't even really think about it anymore. Um, right. Sometimes people bring it up, and uh, when they do, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that happened. I forgot. <laughs> Hilarious. And uh, Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it's funny. Right. And uh, you guys have uh, been through a lot of things on the road. I mean, you guys have had all kinds of ordeals and situations. Weren't you on revocations tour? Cause I remember I was going to go see you guys with revocation at slims. No, it was a DNA lounge and it was, and you guys canceled and I was like, what the hell? And then I heard that you got hurt. And I, I just remember going to see revocation that night. And I don't remember anything after that until the next day. I saw pictures on the internet. It was really embarrassing, but we'll, we'll pass that story up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I had to miss some of the shows. It was on Crowbar tour. That's right. And um, we had a couple of days off in, in Denver before we had to get up to like Seattle. And on the first day off, I just we went camp. Uh, we went hiking. Me and some of the Revo dudes and uh, some of the Havoc guys and Revo guys all went up there in Boulder to go hiking and it turned out that the trail that I was trying to take everybody on was temporarily closed from flood damage. So the normal route that I was completely planning on taking everybody was not an option and we went went a different direction. Well somebody got the uh <laughs> somebody got the bright idea to just start climbing boulders and, and we did that and, and you know worked our way up the mountainside and on the way down uh, right before we had reconnected with a trail and actually like found h- how to get back to the parking lot, um, I-, I took a took a spill. I, I was you know c- coming down a rock and just my foot got caught on something. My my center of gravity changed and uh, I-, I I tipped forward and put my arm out while well, I was falling naturally as you do and. Uh, Mid fall, I was thinking like, "Oh, this is gonna hurt a little bit," 
but didn't think much of it. And uh, I hit the ground, heard a fucked up noise, and uh, I shook, like, you know, dusted myself off, and then I looked down, and my arm looked like a Z. Ooh, compound like, my, fracture. My wrist was completely fucking just toast. And uh, Ouch. <laughs> I, was freaking, I was freaking out. And um, I remember, like, oh, my God, like, somebody fix it. Somebody fix it. And, and, you know, obviously everybody's like, no, I'm not touching that thing. Like, hell no. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put it back into place. And I kind of closed my eyes and felt around a little bit um, to, like, see what I was working with. Um, And I, I said, all right, here we go. One, two, three. And I yanked it. And uh, set it back into place, Oof. And, and kept um, connecting my thumb to my index, to my middle, to my ring, to my pinky, and just like kind of keeping my fingers active uh, to try to make sure I didn't lose dexterity as I'm holding my wrist together with my right hand and walking down a mountainside. <laughs> that was not a that was not a very fun walk down a mountain. Did you throw up? No, I would have barfed um, everywhere. I would have been totally like yellow and just passed out. It, it, was, it was pretty gnarly. I really wish that someone would have got like a picture or a video of it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It would have been pretty cool to have a video of, of breaking my arm back what, into place. But, what, did, what did the Revo guys say when that happened? You know, it was funny when uh, after it happened, we were walking down the mountain and, and Dan from Revocation we're walking down the mountain and he comes up to me like, you know, a minute later and he's like, Hey man, uh, like I could learn all your songs and like, make sure that you guys don't miss more shows. Like I'll totally do it and play guitar for you and you could just sing. And that's when it dawned on me for the first time. Like, Oh fuck. I play guitar. (laughs) Because, because before that, I wasn't even thinking guitar. I was just like, dude, I might have just lost my left hand, like oh for everything, God. like for life. Um, you know, I, I might get like severe nerve damage and stuff. Like I don't know. Sure. Which, in hindsight, it, it was possibly really stupid for me to try to reset it myself. Well, I did reset it myself, but it was possibly a really dumb thing to do because I could have pinched a nerve or Ooh. or an artery or a yep. vein, and like I could have made my fucking arm fall off. Or, or damaged my, uh, you know, I could have paralyzed my left left hand forever. Mike's over here cringing. Stupid, <laughs> Stupid in hindsight. But I, I remember uh, thinking, like, oh, man, I, I lost my left hand. Like, I'm fucked for life. Right. And then Dan comes up, and he's like, hey, man, I can learn your songs. Like, I can Sick. play guitar for you. And that's, that's when it all came together. Like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, idiot, you're in a band. You play guitar. <laughs> Fuck. So what did you guys end up doing? I mean, did you cancel the tour? Or did Dan play with you guys, or what happened? So what happened is uh, I missed two shows. One of them was the show that you were at in San Francisco. And so I missed, like, I think just two shows. And I've, I got put in a cast, and I went back out and met up with everybody in... I want to say Santa Ana, California. And Dan learned all the stuff, and he uh, played was my hands for for the rest of that tour. 
<clears throat> and uh, the merch guy for Revo- Revocation at the time is Todd Stern, who plays bass in Psychroptic now, and is just a legendary uh, funny guy. I know that dude. He, he, he Todd learned all of the guitar parts as well, and we had a, a Mexico tour lined up for immediately after that Crowbar run, and Todd learned all the songs while we were on tour together, Revocation and Crowbar. And he went to Mexico with us and basically was my hands down there and played guitar for us. So it was the first time and only time hopefully ever that Havoc is a a five piece. Right. Yeah, we were a five piece in, uh, I want to say it was 2016. What was it like working with Todd Stern? It's great. We We had a really good time. Dude's super chill, super funny, and likes to have a good time. I gotta so, get, I gotta get, did. I have to get Todd on this show. Todd, also for now, yeah, for people that don't must. know, for people that don't know, Todd Stern plays bass now in Revocation. Or, uh, sorry, uh, Psychroptic. That's his new band he's been with for a couple years now. We have a really good friendship. All three of us do. We go way back, and he is, uh, he's a character for sure. But um, yeah, I remember that. The, 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 uh, you know, the one thing I do remember about the show that you guys missed, which I was bummed, is I pulled up with like 250 bucks. I was like, I'm getting everybody hammered. I ended up getting myself hammered because people were like, just, hey, man, I'm working. And I'm like, I, I get it. And everybody did a shot. I remember I was with me and Dave Davidson did a shot together and he got carded. So I was like cracking up. And by the end of the night, they were like, you don't have to pay me. We're just going to give you drinks. So I was like, why? And they're all, you're giving us like, dude, you're giving us like $10 tips. That's good, dude. Don't worry about it. I black out. I don't remember anything. I just remember just, I remember like stumbling down the stairs. And I look and I have Toby on, he's carrying me with Dave from Revocation, carrying me down the steps from backstage at the DNA lounge. And as I was walking out of the venue, I hear a whole bunch of people clapping and laughing. And I look back and they were laughing at me. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, like it. it was horrible. Oh, my God. And then yeah, the, I'm, all I'm really the, bummed I missed that. All the pictures are on the Internet. And Brett from Revocation took them all. He was snapping them left all the way down. He's just rolling. I got a good picture of Brett's thong, though, which is really cool. So he wears a thong. Anyways, under his skinny jeans. <laughs> So when you guys did uh, Conformicide, that was a really dynamic departure from your original styles. You had a lot of bass low end in there, a lot of different dynamics. And the songwriting, it was a lot more aggressive than a natural selection. Was there any inspiration to that? Well, yeah, not able to play guitar correctly for like the better part of a year was incredibly frustrating. And I think that that frustration definitely leaked into the lyrics on Conformicide. For sure. Conformicide is a record that like almost never happened. Like I wasn't sure I was ever going to play guitar again. Um, you know, when I first got put into a cast and healed up, uh, <laughs> the doctor tried to re. So I, I felt on the way to the hospital after immediately after the break, I felt the wrist kind of slip out of place mm. on the way there. And I remember at the hospital saying like, "Hey." I felt it slip out of place on the way here. Can you guys like fix that and like put it back into place? And I remember they were like, Oh no, we can't do that. And I'm just thinking like, what the, what the fuck is going on? Like I thought it was in a hospital. If I can't get my arm reset in a hospital, where the fuck can I go to get it reset? 
So they wouldn't touch it. And five days later, the, the surgeon actually does want to reset it. Now, mind you, it's the, the bone's been healing for five days at this point. So when he, he put this big-ass needle directly into my bone, injected me with something, I don't know what, and uh, then he had his assistant, like, hold my arm down, and he fucking cranked on the other part of my wrist. Oof. And it was the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my whole fucking life. That rules. Um, yeah, after five days of the bone trying to heal, this fucking idiot tries to snap <laughs> it back into place. Um, so they, they put me in a cast. You know, I, I go out um, on, on tour. We wrap all that stuff up. We'll cut to a couple months later, like three or four months later. They take me out of the cast. They do an x-ray. And that, that same doctor that tried to basically re-break my arm five days after it broke... Uh, you know, he did, does the x-rays, and he comes back in the room, and he goes, yeah, uh, it looks like you're going to need surgery. And I was like, you motherfucker. That's what I said, like, four months ago. <laughs> and so four fucking months wasted. Oh, my God. Getting it to heal up in a cast, only to find out that I needed surgery on my wrist. So I could play guitar a little bit when uh, they pulled that cast off, but my my wrist was still deformed, like heavily deformed. God damn and, it. And uh, so I, I went in, had the surgery done. They basically had to cut my wrist, my radius bone apart. And which, uh, which one's the radius? It. Which one's the radius bone? So it, let's say you're looking at your, your hand yeah, I'm looking and at you've got hand. your thumb closest to your head. Yeah. The radius is the bone right there. Ooh, so okay. if you're looking at your palm, like let's say you're looking at the, your left hand, the palm. Yeah. It's on the thumb side. Gotcha. That's, that's your radius. That's the bone that broke. Oof. And, uh... Ugh, gnarly. Ugh, yuck. Yeah, they, they, did, they did the surgery, put it all back together. Um, I've got, like, a titanium plate and seven screws in there now. And and, and the surgery, surgery works much better than the, the, you know, trying to re-break it and put it in a cast. Thank God. But it took a lot of physical therapy to get back up to speed. And even still to this day, there's still some weird nerve issues in my left hand. And it's still a little misshapen. Can you but, uh, can you feel the titanium when it's cold? Mm, no, not really. Nice. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't cause any pain or discomfort or anything itself. But... Um, you know, all that shit was really scary. And while I was doing the physical therapy, by the end of it, when I could actually kind of play guitar again, it about nine months had gone by. So I really couldn't play guitar for about nine months, which I think really contributed to the lyrics on Conformicide being incredibly angry. Um, and and the, the fact that Conformicide even happened is, you know, kind of... Uh, <laughs> amazing because i was really worried there for a while that maybe i would never play guitar again so conformicide was like the album that almost never happened that album has my favorite song you guys have ever done and it's it's not i don't think it's the best song you've ever written but hang em high literally made my fucking arm hair stand up i got like three or four hairs on my arm and they stood <laughs> straight up when i heard that song just the whole thing like right it starts off 
it's got the bass line, the, the, the content, the lyrics, and then the chorus. And I was just like, holy shit. Just in, when you think about current events and what's going on and how people get so frustrated with our leaders, you know, I, I, I totally get with what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it's not a, it's not really a political song. It's an anti-political song. Right. Uh, I find myself correcting interviewers often because they're like, well, your, your band's pretty political. And I'm thinking like, no, no it's no, anti-political. Exactly. But I'm not, I'm not peddling any side of the aisle uh, as the correct thing. I'm saying the whole fucking system's bullshit. Right. That, that, that's not political. That's like the opposite of being political. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that, that's one of my favorite songs on Conformicide as well. And I think that the lyrics are just as relevant today as when I wrote them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I try to write, I try to write songs that are about things that are bigger than myself. Uh, a lot of my songs are not terribly personal. They're personal thoughts of, of mine, but a lot of the ideas that I'm discussing are things that are way transcendent, like that go way beyond myself. There, there are things that affect everyone and are, are kind of big picture ideas. And it's the same with our new record, uh, our new record V or five, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it's coming out on May 1st. And there's a lot of lyrics on the new record that uh, are, are following in that kind of fashion where I'm talking about things that are affecting everybody and are much, much bigger than the individual. Yeah, definitely love your single beer campaign. Sounds amazing. Um, it, the production on it's awesome. And who, who recorded that one? Did you do that one yourself? Mark Lewis did that record and he, uh, did the production engineering, the mixing and the mastering. Oh, wow. did everything. He did the whole thing. He's like the fifth member kind of for that record. Sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, I've already done a bunch of interviews with people that have heard the whole thing. So, I mean, I, I know you've heard some stuff, so don't, don't be shy about uh, discussing it. I've heard the whole record in less than a week. So I heard the whole record before everybody. So they can all suck it. That's right. <laughs> I'm bragging. <laughs> it rules. You know, I, I had to say this. I love conformicide because it, it rivaled that time is up feel, but this new album that's coming out is fucking phenomenal front to back. It's, it's probably your most dynamic record. I think the way you write the songs is a lot more different than what you used to do. I can tell dramatically. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's definitely our most dynamic thing we've done. And a lot of the people that I've done interviews with um, have actually told me that they think it's our best record. I do too. Which is cool because, um, yeah, all, all four band members think that as well. We all four think it's the best thing that we've made to date. So... I, I think people are really going to dig it, and it's got it's got some important messages in the lyrics. I think so. Hopefully, when people give it a listen, they pay attention to the words. Now, what about the summer of two thousand eighteen? What were you doing in Sacramento? Summer of twenty eighteen. Well, I do believe I was recording a band out there. Shitty a band by the name band. of Psychosomatic that has a lead singer named Jeff Salgado. <laughs> Horrible person. I've heard terrible things. No, it was fun. That was that was insane. That thing was wild. Um, 
it was so on the fly, makeshift, um, funny, hilarious. I don't think I ever had a better time in my life. That thing was just great. <laughs> yeah, I, I came out there to do psychosomatic record, and we essentially built a studio inside of your rehearsal room. Using From- Home Depot, Guitar Center, tons of stuff, right? We just brought it in here. <laughs> Dave's like, okay, we'll just return it. <laughs> After we're done, we just used it. All right, we're done. Bye. That was hilarious because, I mean, we had everything in here. It was like a goddamn living room. It was insane. And I just remember miles of cables all over the floor. And just, we had this, you had this guitar cabinet up against the wall. And if you touch that thing, you're going to die. You cannot move it. You put, you put a (laughs) fucking drink, you put a drink on there, you're dead. You get your arms cut off. Like you cannot fuck with that thing. And you know, I, it was for us, I'd done all the, the produ- the producing of psychosomatic and this was the first time we had somebody producing that wasn't me so we you know we and i worked really well together no not exactly we actually yelled at each other the whole time it was pretty rad <laughs> no we didn't <laughs> oh what are you talking about no 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 here's the offer okay the offer was hey jeff i'd love to produce your record <laughs> i was really excited right i was like me and toby both were just like oh this is sick he goes yeah i want to produce your record um you know if i if i got an idea i'll throw at you you know like it's totally cool. You know, if you don't want to do it, I'm, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm just going to throw out suggestions. Two, in reality, at the end of the recording session, it was like, if you don't change that fucking one lyric, your whole record's going to suck, Jeff. Like, that, that's literally <laughs> the yelling that was going across the room. It was just hilarious. It was fun because it was, you know, we recorded in our rehearsal studio, so we had to wait till everybody left the rehearsal place, right, like the other rooms, so you guys were, you and Toby were tracking at like 7 a.m. Or like up to 8, p, 8 a.m. in the morning, like, you know, from the night before. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and just to be clear, like, yeah, when I, when I yelled at you, if you don't change that one lyric, <laughs> your whole record's going to suck. Obviously, incredibly sarcastic. But uh, I remember I was running on fumes that day as well. <laughs> I hadn't slept at all, and uh, I think that was the only time ever where I actually did get so like halfway frustrated with, with anything. But e- e- even that, you know, saying that if one lyric doesn't change, your whole record's gonna suck. It's completely ridiculous and stupid. I don't know, but, man. Yeah, there's 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 plenty of times where we were up till fucking eight thirty in the morning tracking stuff because uh, for people listening, like. The, the rehearsal space where we did it is a room inside of a warehouse that has like what like 60 other rehearsal rooms in it yeah it's crazy so to track drums properly you need a, the room to be quiet you can't have a bunch of ambient noise going on you could do that with guitars or bass you know if you're uh, tracking really close with a microphone or you know just going direct it's possible to get away with guitar and bass recording in a loud environment but drums, you can't do that. So with drums, a lot of the time we were sitting around like waiting for other bands to stop rehearsing and shut up so we could actually hit record and go. And um, that was the craziest part of doing the whole project, having to sit around and, you know, it'd get quiet for, for a few seconds and we'd look at each other like, is it time? <laughs> and we'd hear, you know, someone start playing again. We're like, fuck. So there was a lot of false alarms, and, and eventually it would get so quiet, and, and we would realize, like, oh, shit, they're actually done. Exactly. And, you know, 
the horns would pop out of our head and we'd be like, all right, it's time to go. I just remember yeah, every... But by that time, it's four in the morning. And well, what about <laughs> so when we... Been... Who was the band that was like right next to us? Every time we played, we'd hear this like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the band, but I did like that song. Oh my God. They played this one song for like literally two hours straight. And they had this chorus, and it was like, whoa, every, like, four measure. And we were, like, we were singing it with them. Like, <laughs> it became a thing. Oh, oh, my God, that was great. It was terrible. I liked it. Well, that that record was, uh, I think, it's coming out soon in uh, the summer. I'm fucking beyond happy it's out. It's what I think it's the best album, so I'm really happy. And thank you for giving us props on the uh, the Revolver uh, interview that you guys did. I, I was really blown away by that. We got a lot of... Uh, yeah, dude. It was well-deserved. A bunch of people were giving me shit for not uh, having a Megadeth record in there, but honestly... <laughs> um, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, in, in all fairness, like legitimately, I would rather listen to the record that I told people about than literally any Megadeth record as a whole. I love Megadeth. I love a lot of Megadeth songs, but... Um, as a whole, I think the Unquenchable Thirst is better than Rust in Peace or Peace Sells But Who's Buying or any of those. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Seriously. It's, it's way more just diverse and dynamic and more fun start to finish. Yeah, but that was a that was a crazy thing to record as well. Um, totally kind of a different band than what we are now, but it's still the same thing, you know? Just Yeah, not, you, you guys aren't too much different now. I think it, maybe nowadays it's more dynamic and maybe a little more technical, but... The, the record that I did with you guys, The Invisible Prison, is fucking killer. I, I think it's probably your best album that you've ever made. Yeah, I agree. I can't wait to get it out. I'm pretty stoked on it. Okay, so May 1st, your new album comes out, and it's, is it five? Or is it just, you don't really have a name, or is it the Roman numeral? or? Well, it's V on paper, but people have been calling it V, people have been calling it five. We really don't care which... Uh, which way people want to say it. It's kind of like an ambiguous thing. It's ambiguous, brah. Nice. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us what kind of, like, what are the, the song topics that are going to be on the new record? Some of the lyrics. Well, there's some songs about, there, there's some songs that aren't going to surprise people lyrically. There's some more of like the, I guess, anti-political activist types of, uh, themes. But we also talk about like the psychedelic experience and, and that's something that we've never really touched on before until this record. And, you know, there's there's uh, some other songs that uh, about like the rise of technology slash the takeover of technology. There's songs about among uh, sleep paralysis and there's also songs about suicide. So <laughs> there's, some, there's some heavy topics on, on the record. Have, have you guys had any psychedelic experiences? I can't comment on that. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> I've had a ton. Mine were, were, yeah. were mostly around in my 20s, and I had some great times. And I've had some really bad times. I'll tell you one thing. I'll, make it, I'll break it down. LSD sucked for me. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. It was like I couldn't control anything. It was really weird and awkward. Mushrooms were the shit. I loved mushrooms. That was my best shit ever. Yeah, that's actually what um, a lot of the, the psychedelic lyrics are actually more about uh, psilocybin 
mushrooms I, and about I, any yeah, other I'm, form of psychedelia. I'm right here looking at your album cover, and it looks like this guy's like growing mushrooms off his shoulder. Yeah, he is. Disgusting. It's fungus. <laughs> he's got fungus shoulder. That's awesome. He looks like he's tripping balls right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good. Who does the artwork for this record? That was done by a dude in Germany named Elorain Cantor. He's done art for Testament, Hatebreed, Deicide, uh, Bloodbath. He's done all kinds of stuff. But um, he, we hit him up and asked if he'd be down to work with us. He said, yeah. And I basically sent him over a super detailed concept that describing what you see on the album cover and basically left him with a note that we wanted to look like Caravaggio meets Salvador Dali. And he crushed it. Yeah, it pulls that off pretty clearly. I'm a big Dali fan. I love that. Um, and, you know, going with your artwork, you have a lot of beautiful art album covers. Uh, who did the one for Performicide? That was Halsey Swain, uh, a.k.a. Halsey Cost. And she did the artwork for Burn and Time Is Up and Point of No Return. EP Sick. as well. What about a natural selection? Who did that one? It's done by a dude named Raf R A F, uh, and his name starts with a W. It's like was a source cost He's Pol- he's Polish. What's that Yeah, something like that. That's awesome. I love that. He's got the world, and he's what is what is he injecting into it? Maybe LSD. I don't know. Or the coronavirus. Yeah, he's putting some Rona in there. Some Rona, pinchy Rona. What do you think about the whole virus thing and, and the lockdown? And what's your your take on it? My, 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 my Corona. Um, <laughs> my whole take on it? I, I think it's about something that's bigger than the virus because the uh, reaction versus, uh, you know, the, the reason is so incredibly far out of proportion right. that it makes no sense unless it is about something else. It, it appears like it's some sort of a social experiment to me. Sure. Let's keep everybody locked down. Let's wait till they go batshit crazy. <laughs> well, that or just to see how maybe they're just testing how squishy the American population is or, or the whole world's population, you know? Sure. Seeing like what they could get away with, like how far would we have to push them into lockdown before they freak out and actually lose their mind or let's see how much we can get away with. I I don't know. I I don't know. These are just speculations, but I think that it's, I I think it's not about the virus. I think something bigger is, is at, at play. Yeah. This sounds like I'm like reading, I mean, just watching the daily events is like I'm reading havoc lyrics, you know, like straight up what you guys have already talked about. It's hilarious. I, I I I personally think it's crazy, and then you you got all the conspiracy theorists out there, and you got the people like parroting the mainstream media, and I'm just kind of like, at this point in time right now, I'm just trying to block all that out and just kind of keep my sanity and you know everything around me in place because a lot of people are starting to get a little freaked out, but you know, hey, maybe this will subside pretty soon. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. And uh, our last. Our last um, single that we put out was called Fear Campaign, 
and the chorus of the song is they use fear to control you. Ooh, that's good. And I, I, I knew that that song was going to be relevant, but I didn't know it was going to be this relevant. <laughs> this soon? <laughs> Boom. Yes. <laughs> it's right there in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't realize it was going to be so incredibly accurate. And you guys already dropped a video for this record, right? Yeah, we put out a video for the song Phantom Force. And then there's a lyric video for Post Truth Era, and the lyric or the uh, music video for Fear Campaign is actually going to be coming out here very shortly in the next few days. Nice. I really enjoyed that uh, the Phantom Force uh, video, even though I couldn't see anything. It just seemed like you guys were like hiding. That was, yeah, that was kind of the point. The, the song's about dying in a nightmare, so we wanted it to be real uh, mysterious and spooky. And it's super fast. That's like probably one of the fastest songs on the record. I love it. Yeah, that, that one's ridiculously fast. <laughs> it's going to be fun to play live. For sure. You're definitely going to get the crowd going for that one. All right, Dave, anything else you want to talk about? Talk about, say hi to anybody and your, your fans or anything that might be listening? Well, I guess I would just urge everybody to check out the record comes out on May Day, May 1st, and uh, yeah, pay attention to the lyrics. Hopefully, if everyone's still somewhat locked down, maybe people will have time to check it out and absorb it. That'd be nice. Don't look for us to be on tour anytime soon because we have no idea what's going on with that. The touring, the whole entire touring world is kind of up in the air right now. Right. So I'll be really stoked when we can actually hit the road and play these songs live, but it's... It's not looking like it's going to be anytime super soon. Do you uh, you guys going to have any way to access your lyrics online? We will have that available shortly. I mean, obviously, you can always go on Google and start typing right. in Havoc lyrics. Uh, sometimes they're not accurate. Sometimes right. they are accurate. But uh, we're, we're currently building out the website to be able to be interactive with the the song's lyrics super sick and speaking of like touring did you guys have anything lined up i I just asked our last guest and he said yeah they had something shut down did you guys have anything booked yeah we were supposed to be on tour the day that the record drops we were supposed to be going out with hatebreed for a couple weeks and then doing some other stuff immediately after we also had european tours uh ready for late july to middle of august playing a bunch of festivals and stuff like that and now all those are closed um, and shut down and canceled. So we, we literally we had three different tour plans up our sleeve, and they've all been canceled. Bummer, man. That sucks. So at, yeah, it sucks big time. And at the moment, nothing is officially rescheduled, so we don't exactly know when we're going to be able to get out on the road. Just uh, on an off question, I'm just going to throw this at you. What's the craziest thing you've ever done on tour? On stage, actually. On stage, the craziest thing I've ever done? Um, damn, that, that's hard to say. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'd have to think about that for a minute. It's not very, it's not super crazy, and I've done it way more than once, but one thing I really, really love to do on stage is... Uh, do some like primal screen therapy with the audience and have everybody think about some bullshit they've got going on in their life that really sucks 
And uh, instead of letting that shit eat away our soul, we scream it out on the count of three. And uh, it, that's a really good time to, to count down and yeah. get everyone in a room to scream as loud as they possibly can. I rem- everyone feels way better after doing that. For sure. That's awesome. I remember uh, our old drummer, uh, Jared Klein, he got on stage and sang the scream for you with on, on DOA, right? Yeah, that was one of the best uh, times I ever had playing that song. So Jared, uh, who plays drums now in Rivers of Nile, was playing drums for Psychosomatic. On that tour we did, we were in Boise, Idaho, playing at this place called The Shredder. And Jared asked me before the show if he could do the scream in DOA. And I said, yeah, sure. And he got up on stage and... at the part where it does a really high screen that's very you know similar to angel of death um jared got on the mic and did the scream and his voice cracked really bad (laughs) and it it was hilarious (laughs) dude it was the rest of the band was sitting like right next to each other on the on reese's side of the stage and all three of us just started laughing so hard and i felt bad because jared just walked up the stage with his head down like fuck (laughs) <laughs> and I think the rest of the tour, that was the topic. It was just that one. Then you had like Toby playing it on guitar, the actual notes that he hit and cracked his voice. <laughs> and Dan was doing it. It was, oh, and then, and then Reese was doing it. Oh my God, that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, that was a good time. That, that dude's a fucking beast of a drummer, though. Jesus Christ. The stuff that he pulls off in, in his band, uh, Rivers of Nihil. The drums are fucking insane. He's a monster. He's super fast. Like, it's total, insanely total fast. Total murder. Yeah, I mean, uh, that family, Toby and Jared, they're phenomenal in everything they do. They're amazing guys. Yeah, they're both amazing drummers and cool people. And we keep in touch a lot. Me and Jared are still very tight, and uh, we talk all the time. So I'm really happy that he's doing really good with... Uh, Rivers of Nile, they are fucking destroying everywhere they play. But like everybody else, they're probably home. It sucks. Yeah, we're we're all um, we're all kind of on lockdown, and I really think that the entertainment industries are going to be the very last industries to come back and and spring back from this whole thing because entertainment is a luxury, and it's going to be really hard to convince people to buy a concert ticket and buy a t-shirt when they're struggling to pay their rent and put food on table. Can you, is there any way you can like maybe apply for like a small business, you know, stimulus plan or anything like that? Yeah. They already gave all that stuff to a bunch of big businesses. It's all gone. From what, from what I understand, all that money's already gone. Jesus Christ. And, uh, I think it's really interesting that we keep hearing this phrase, we're in this together. We're all in this together right. apart. Right. We're, we're all fucking away from each other, but we're in this together. I think it's really interesting just the, the idea and the phrasing of that. Um, I, I, I've even said we're all in this together, which is it's real. We are all kind of in the same situation. But when certain people are saying we're in this together apart or we're in this together separately, that is straight up 1984 Orwellian doublespeak. Right. That is legitimately like doublespeak where you're saying two contradictory things in the same sentence and somehow it's supposed to make sense and there's 
supposed to be the absence of cognitive dissonance. Right. I think it's pretty fascinating. Absolutely. We're using double speak and it's just like being looked at like, yeah, that's normal. Well, there's that, there's that meme right on, on social media with the dog and he's in a room and it's on fire and he's like, this is fine. He's drinking his cup. He's like, this is fine. And the whole place is burning down. That's kind of how I feel like when I look at Facebook or, or whatnot. Cause I mean, I, I know everybody's feeling a lot of stress and it's predominantly financial stress, which is like the worst kind of stress. And, uh, it's, you know, we, we got to pull through this. We got to muscle through it and ride it out. Otherwise it's maybe we'll go into like some kind of Mad Max future. And if that's the case, I'm totally ready. <laughs> I'm going to be a leader. I'm not going to be a follower. <laughs> so Dave, yeah, I'll, I'll be driving. Better I'll be, to lead in the Mad Max world than to follow. I'll be driving to your house. That's what my grandma always said. It's always better to lead than to follow. Always better to be the leader in a Mad Max world than to follow. Yeah. Spe- specifically, she always used to talk about Mad Max. Oh, grandma. Just walk away. <laughs> total mad max just walk away oh my god i'm not wearing a hockey mask i'm wearing a straight up fucking surgeon mask yeah that's what you're supposed to do right now you you never seen mad max mike i've seen it a long time ago i haven't seen it oh matt mike doesn't watch movies he's not a movie guy i'm not a movie guy at all no he likes all right i I really wish that we would uh so I, i like the term movie it's like, you know, short for moving pictures. I wish we would do that with, like, concerts. Like, hey, Billy, you want to go see a soundie today? <laughs> soundie? <laughs> yeah. Let's think good. about how stupid the word movie is. It's, yeah. it's moving pictures. We call it a movie. Like, we should start calling concerts soundies. That's a great idea. But I'll tell you one thing that's really creepy is television. That thing is creepy sounding. We're going to, you know, television the way it is. And then what do you, how do you find, you you change your channels, right? Channels and what's on the channels, programs, just programming you daily. They're they're telling you a vision and they're programming you through that. No, 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 no. This is true. This is the way it is. I'm like, oh boy. Anyways. Okay. Dave, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate you spending the afternoon with us and sharing your story. No problemo. Much preach. I appreciate you guys. I, I like your show. I like your band. Um, Likewise. Keep doing what you guys do. I hope more people are tuning in and digging what you're laying down. Fuck yeah. appreciate it. And uh, look for the new Havoc record coming out May 1st. Everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And when's that new Psychosomatic record coming out? It will be this summer, probably around late June, early July. The The release date will be announced soon when we drop our lyric video. So Sweet. Can't wait to see it. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Dave no Sanchez problem. from Havoc. Another solid interview with a good friend of mine. Couldn't be more happy. I, I wish Dave the best of luck at everything he does, even though he's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. So he earns everything he gets. And... Uh, you know, I mean, we don't have Q&A this time. I just, you know, some of the questions are just ridiculous. You guys are just being dicks. So I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Ask something real. Like, the whole, like, the one that got me the most, that's a stupid-ass douche one. It's like, really? 
Well, that's a Dodger fan for you. Aren't you a Dodger fan too? I haven't called you a douche yet, have yeah, I? Yeah, but you are. I'm a classy Dodger fan. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Typical. Dude doesn't speak for every Dodger fan. Yeah, no, um, we want to do Q&A with you people, but like, be real. Ask us something that's thought-provoking. <laughs> you, can't do, you can't do that. We're not going to read it unless you do it. And by the way, punctuation is important. I will read it the way you type it. Well, I don't know. I mean, you did break barrier, and you guys took off to San Francisco, which I thought was pretty rebellious. Oh, well, that's a punk rocker in me. All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what happened after that? Uh, not, well, you know, I mean, just took our drive. We went. She, My wife hit me up and was just like, yo, I haven't heard your other podcast, the one you do with Jeff, because uh, her and I podcast together. Right. She's heard all of those episodes, obviously. And... You know, I mean, I played her the last episode, and she listened to the Q&A, and she was laughing at the part where you told me to shut up. Well, that, that, yeah. that wasn't, yeah. I wasn't trying to be rude. I was like a... Was it? Well, no, that was a, a thing, okay? Um, I'm a big Ren and Stimpy fan, and yeah. then on one of the episodes, um, Stimpy is, he's like a newscaster, and he's interviewing Muddy Mudskipper, and as he's interviewing, he's like talking, and then Muddy just interrupts him and says, shut up. So... <laughs> That's what I was so, doing. It was, so it was a Ren and Stimpy joke. Yeah, it's a, it's an inside joke, and a lot you'll you'll see a lot of that. I'm not truly being rude. It's no different than holding up a meme online. It's just kind of you know what I mean. Like it's just I didn't I didn't take it as rude, but she laughed her ass off on that that whole shut up fuck you thing happened. Yeah, because so. I've I've said that a lot to you a couple yeah. times. Well, I mean you know I mean it's not to be rude. It's just a term of endearment. You know my generation. I'm old. Okay, I'm 50 years old. We took things as funny as you could make them i mean like when things were bad we laughed at them so and that's just the way we got through things when uh racist jokes are not appropriate at all but back then in the day it was just commonplace to laugh at shit like that you know and nowadays not cool i understand why things have just gotten really sketchy but at the same time everything was funny back then you know just because that's the way we took it It, it's the way we processed it it's kind of the way i'm my I, my generation does it, you know, and the kids aren't that way this day. I understand that. I think I think people still find that shit funny. I think they're just oh no no you're not supposed to. There's so much, and I don't know where the fuck it comes from, but there's just so much social pressure to censor that kind of shit. Like I I'm not gonna lie, we my wife and I've been watching a lot of stand up comedies recently, and there's this one that was totally fucking, it was totally PC. I mean PC. And that shit was the most boring fucking thing in the world. Now, I'm not saying you have to say... I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. You don't have to say hella offensive shit all the time, but it's fucking funny. No, you're absolutely right. The censorship thing has killed the comedy industry. I saw an article that talked about stand-up comedians are taking just massive losses because you can't say this, you can't say that. I'm just kind of like, what happened to free speech? Where is that? Well, I think what's going to happen is people are finally going to... They're going to get tired of the censored comedy because, let's face it, dude, rated G comedy is not funny. No. And you're, you're, all you're doing when, when you censor people, like, yeah, you shouldn't go around saying racist fucking shit for the fuck of it. Right. But in the, in the context of a joke, come on. It's reality. Well, and, and that, that, of course, this is a straight white male telling you this. Well, I'm saying from it doesn't matter what color you are. You know, that's, that's, where, yeah. that's exactly what I'm talking about is that they throw that at everybody. Well, you know, you can't say this. You don't have to be white to be racist. Yeah. You know, you can be any way you want. But my point being is that I, to get clean and sober, I got some professional help. And when I was talking to my therapist, she said, you have a choice 
whether to be offended by anything in the world or not. That is your choice. This is by a professional psychologist. That oh, has she just got years, canceled. Years of experience. No, she's right. When you yeah. think about it logically, you are in control of your emotions. And if you are not in control of your emotions, then you need to rethink of what rethink about what you're putting into your mind and how you how you're behaving because we do literally have the only thing we can control in our world is where we focus our attention. Totally. There's a lot of things that suck in our life. And to make your day positive, what do you usually do? You focus on something that makes you happy. So you do have choice. That right there just proves that you do have choice, whether to be offended by something, where you focus your attention on. Now, I understand if you're being oppressed or being pulled over by the cops or something. Yeah, you know, you can't focus your energy because it sucks. This is happening to me. Yeah. But in a context of sitting in your home, looking at a comedian that's saying rude shit, you don't have to watch it. You can change the channel. Totally. It doesn't have to be shut down. That's a bunch of bullshit, and I will stand by that forever. I don't care. It has nothing to do with racism. It has to do with control. And the more they want to control you, the more the more you allow them to. And we don't have to allow them to do shit. I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> Fuck those guys. I don't care. One Fuck last thing about censorship, though. Censorship always... You always end up pushing people towards the direction you don't want them to go when you censor. Right. When you censor, when you tell someone, when you tell enough people no enough times, they're going to be like, why are you hiding this? Well, it's like the kid, right? Like exactly. You say no, 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 and they're going to be like, why? Yeah. You know, it's a natural thing to ask why. Why? Why? Right. If it's that bad, it must be good. <laughs> or it just might be something, maybe, you know, and maybe you're right, but if you're not giving me all the information, how am I going to know? Exactly. Right? Exactly. So Just trust us. It's okay. No, I don't trust them fucking nobody, ever. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> leaving off a great note. Don't trust anybody because I don't trust you. Have a great weekend and have a great week. We will air this Monday. It'll be a Monday. So it'll be uh, the 27th. Awesome. Back and, on schedule. Right. We're back on schedule. And we will have another guest for you the next week. So everything is lined up great. Hope you all take care. Hang in there. We're all kind of going through the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep going through that same I, shit for I, a minute, too. I'm not going to say we're all together because it doesn't look like that at all. Nope. <laughs> Especially that person on roller skates in San Francisco. They're not giving a fuck about shit. No. Not at all. Anyways, hope you are doing great. Have a good night. Bye. Peace. Peace.